This week, two owls on one theme, that of farm safety. I saved someone's life from a, from a piece of farm machinery. Farming shouldn't be the highest um, industry that has accidents. More from Al Murray and Alan Robson in a moment. Also, we've news of the new British sugar contract and your last chance to take part in a poll aimed at shaping the future of farming. Just over 40% of those polled have said that agri-policy is, is a key concern. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. I uh, mentioned last week on the programme, and uh, you can't fail to have noticed if you work in agriculture, that this week has been Farm Safety Week, with plenty of advice and discussion aimed at making life on your farm a lot safer. The comedian, the pub landlord, has been helping with the week. You might have caught him on a host of television programmes, including Countryfile, last Sunday. Here he is, Al Murray, talking on Sky News in the week, and how an accident on a farm in Suffolk got him involved in campaigning for farm safety. When I was 11, um, I was staying on a, a farm in Suffolk that my cousins owned, and um, uh, I saved someone's life from a, from a piece of farm machinery. And, and it's, a, it's a thing that I've sort of forgotten about along the way. And then this, this fellow, Chris Brown, who, who I found that afternoon, um, uh, got back in touch and asked me if I could um, get involved in promoting the cause of farm safety. We used to stay on this farm in the summers and I remember them all as, you know, these amazing, beautiful, sunny summers. And one afternoon I, I had to uh, answer the call of nature, return to the farmhouse and on my way back to the field where the, where the harvest was going and I heard someone screaming and went over and found Chris caught in a, in a baling machine um, because he was, he was 18, he was young, he was under a lot of pressure. It had rained at the weekend and the straw was wet and he, when he should have turned the machine off, he hadn't and he'd slipped and fallen into the machine. At the front, it has these two rollers. It scoops up the straw and then the rollers fire it into the machine and he caught his arm in the two rollers. Oh. And I remember, like I say, hearing him scream, running over and trying to pull him out by his welly boots. And, um, and, uh, and then he said to me, actually, could you turn the tractor off? Mm. <laughs> so, uh, so he told me what to do and I found the off switch in the cab and then, and then he said, go and get your dad. And all Chris had done, he said, I mean, he, he talks about this accident. He says, um, you know, I, uh, uh, w- I had to change the string on the machine and we all knew if you turn that machine off, a bug with it was, if you, you, sometimes you can get to start again. And he was up against time pressure. So he did the thing you do when you're 18 and, or, or, or under pressure or stressed out and he tried to cut a corner and uh, it very nearly killed him. And, um, you know, we were really lucky that I was passing at the time and, and all this sort of thing. Man of the moment, Al Murray, the pub landlord, on why he's been very vocal this week on farm safety. Well, agricultural chaplain Alan Robson is someone who also speaks regularly on the issue. It's been a rather tragic people, you know, having broken backs, legs, necks, or all three, um, machinery accidents, livestock accidents, people getting in with uh, cattle and, and not being with somebody else. Um, you should only ever get in there with two, really. Certainly somebody about watching what's going on, if that is at all possible. We're all so busy nowadays, aren't we? And it only takes one moment distraction to be distracted just for a matter of seconds and something can go wrong, can't it? That's right. And uh, when people get rushed or feel they have to get jobs done yesterday and and uh, and start racing about and not just paying attention to those overhead power lines or... 
those gates that weren't there the day before, but you moved them, you know, yeah, and uh, all of that. And it's just, yeah, when everybody's getting a bit tired or distracted or concerned about other things and you're not just mind 100% on the job, um, then we want people to be careful. You know, farming shouldn't be uh, the highest um, industry that has accidents, you know, the industry with the most accidents. So we need to um, really begin to get our act together, ladies and gentlemen, because, you know, it's not just the tragic end of one individual. It can upend a whole farm family uh, structure and... uh, So everybody has to think a little bit more carefully. Agricultural chaplain Alan Robson there. Well, of course, Farm Safety Week is coming to an end, but farm safety, of course, is something we should all be vigilant on all year round, even more so with harvest at the moment. The new sugar beet contracts have been revealed. We'll have more on that in a moment. First, the rest of the beet news from Nick Morris of British Sugar. Right, OK. Well, uh, yeah, starting with the crop itself. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll probably just start by talking about uh, cereals first and what an early start to combining which uh, uh, growers have had. And then uh, recently we've recorded now three inches of rain in July. So uh, that's an average across all of our growing region, but either way, everywhere's had some rain, and uh, it's probably put a bit of an interval into into the combining progress. But very, very welcome on the sugar beet crop, and you'll uh, if your grass is anything like mine, it just keeps <laughs> yeah. on growing and growing and growing, and you can't really keep on top of it with the, with the mower. So naturally, that gives me confidence that the sugar beet crop is uh, is also growing. And as I said last time I was on the show, generally we're starting with good plant populations. And now the really important work is uh, taking place where the, the roots themselves are starting to bulk up and you need to walk into one of our fields and see how evident that is. So overall, we're looking at a crop with promising yields and uh, over the next six weeks, we'll be testing that with our uh, root dig programme, which I'll, I'll keep you updated on the results of that, where we test the crop for its, uh, its overall weight, but also sugar content. And that's right way across the country. Uh, Really, I'd just move on to agronomy uh, quite briefly. Disease is now being found uh, in in some crops, powdery mildew and rust. So if you haven't already, now is definitely the time to apply fungicides. Weed beaten bolters, they are standing above the crop now, uh, and you can see them as you drive past the fields. If you haven't already got a plan to uh, get them pulled, then uh, it's really essential that's done ASAP. So hopefully these wet days have freed up some uh, harvest staff to go and get out in the fields and pull these weed beaten bolters. We haven't had any reports of second or third generation leaf miner, which was starting to see this time last year, uh, which is really encouraging. And it might be as as simple that uh, all this rain we've had has actually washed the eggs and larvae off the leaves. So here's hoping we won't have a huge influx of uh, leaf miner larvae over the next few weeks. Mm. On to campaign, we will be starting quite early, mid-September, and campaign will run through to the middle of March. The factory itself will be operating the same hours of beet reception uh, as last year, which is 20 hours Monday to Friday, starting at 4 in the morning in the small hours running through till midnight, and at the weekend will be 4 in the morning until 4pm. Uh, so we'll look forward to seeing our haulers bright and early. Absolutely. be here before you know it as well, won't it? Indeed, indeed. Now, a couple of weeks ago, um, you announced the, the details for the 2018-29 contracts. What is the deal? 
That's right, yeah. So uh, two weeks ago we, uh, we agreed that deal, as you say, and basically it's the same construct as last year. So we have a one-year contract with a guaranteed minimum price of £22.50 a tonne with a 10% share in a market-linked bonus. We also have a three-year contract, also with a guaranteed minimum price of £22.50 a tonne, but that's with a 25% market-linked bonus for each of the 18, 19 and 20 crops. Uh, and the bonus is... Uh, basically referenced in the same way as it is for the, the current contracting year, uh, and that's linked to the average EU market price for white sugar as published by the EU Commission on a monthly basis. So it's publicly available information. And growers can elect for any combination of the one- and three-year contracts, and growers who entered a three-year contract starting this season for the crop in the ground, they will also have the option to transfer all or part of that tonnage onto the new three-year contract by extending uh, one year to the 2020 crop. So slightly higher guaranteed uh, minimum price, but the same market link bonus, which uh, we have to wait to see what the market does as to whether that will pay, but hopefully it, hopefully it will. Mm. The contracts themselves, we expect to land on farm from mid-August. So uh, by all means, if growers have any questions in the meantime, don't hesitate to contact your area manager. And uh, that will... Uh, hopefully land in the next couple of weeks. Nick Morris from British Sugar. Nick touched on agronomy. Let's get a full report now from our own agronomist, Sean Sparling. Plenty happening once again, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. Um, More weather once again this week. Let's not start talking about the weather. Let's start talking about some of the harvest anomalies that are poking their heads up above the parapet this season. Um, One of them is uh, spring barley harvest on some of the very light land that was drilled very early. Is nothing too spectacular. Um... If you remember the beginning of the season, we were very, very dry. It was a considerable drought right into May. Um, and we were really quite worried. Some of these spring barleys were packing up. Some of them just weren't throwing any roots down. And it was quite um, worrying to look at. I know, speaking from experience. Then the rain came and we all thought, oh, thank goodness for that. It's come just in the nick of time. Well, with hindsight, it would appear that on some of these fields, it's come about 10 days too late because the sample that's going into the combine is not brilliant. Um, Some of it's going over the back. It's so small. Um, And chicken feed is too strong a word, but it may be a little disappointing on some of these sandy early drilled fields that just missed the rain at the wrong time. But hopefully the later drillings will be far better and there are far, far more of those out there. Um, similarly with spring beans, there's an anomaly appearing in the spring beans where pods are splitting open, um, immature pods are splitting open. And the reason for that is because, again, the drought. When you get a plant like a bean, it sets the information early in the season as to how many flowers it's going to produce, how many pods it's going to produce. Um, And when you get five or six inches of rain off the back of a drought and the beans grow faster than the pods can accommodate them, that's why you see these pods splitting open. Now, the downside of it is you're going to get some staining on the beans. They may not be the prettiest sample you get to. You may even shed some of those beans out. But we always shed beans out. It doesn't matter whether the pods split or they don't. We always end up shedding beans. And it is never as bad as it looks. Um, It's nothing that you've done. It's nothing that you haven't done. It's just one of those peculiarities of the season. A lot of rain, big beans, smaller pods, and they burst out. Now, 
when you look at the spring beans, you can see the chocolate spot is starting to move in quite widely now. And that will do us a favour because that will help to desiccate these beans as we go through. I think the beans generally are probably three to four weeks away from wanting spraying off if they're going to be sprayed off. But the chocolate spot will help defoliate them and they'll have absolutely no effect whatsoever now on the beans which are already there. Um, winter beans, they're getting very close to wanting harvesting. I think another couple of weeks and we'll be in those. And let's talk pre-harvest uh, management of winter wheat. Remember, it's the thumbnail imprint in the grain is when you're ready. The reason for that is because once the crop gets to 30% moisture or less, it's physiologically ripe and the glyphosate won't go into the grain. And you don't want the glyphosate in the grain because that's when MRLs are exceeded, plus the fact it will ruin your yield. So you're always better to be a few days later than you are to be a few days earlier when it comes to glyphosate. And then thoughts are going to start to turn to drilling oilseed rape. Several things just to make a note of here. Number one, with the rape you've already combined, it might be worth just getting some slug traps out on that rape land. Check and see whether you've got slugs out there. If you have, then deal with them accordingly, either with metaldehyde or with ferrous phosphate. Remember the new restrictions are that you can't put uh, metaldehyde within 10 metres of a water course. That means you probably want to be using ferrous phosphate not just on 10 metres around the field, but use it on the headland breed, 18 to 24 metres around the outside of the field. But slug traps are the key to everything. Get them down, monitor them. Don't just throw slug pellets around for the sake of doing it, because we have these restrictions for a reason, and that is to stop metaldehyde getting into drinking water. It poses no threat to human health whatsoever. It's far less toxic than the chlorine that's in the water and that doesn't bother us. What it, the reason we need to monitor metaldehyde is because it's a very, very expensive process to remove metaldehyde from drinking water and it's what they call hydrophilic. In other words, every pellet, as soon as it hits the ground, it'll latch into the water. So it's better to put them on in the dry from that respect, but obviously from a slug respect, it'll only work well if there's moisture about and the slugs come up and get them. That's why you need to put slug traps out and know that you've got an issue before you go spreading pellets all over the place. When it comes to all seed rape, Picto and uh, Flamingo and Elgar, a lot of varieties are doing quite nicely. The people are talking to me. It seems to be this 4 to 4.4 tonnes per hectare yields we're getting off the all seed rape at the moment. But when it comes to the seed rate, once again, just be aware of the other issues out there. It's not just a question of putting 30 seeds down and getting 30 plants because you've got slugs, you've got flea beetle, cabbage stem flea beetle, you've got all sorts of things working against you. So allow for that. And you're probably better, even with the earlier drillings of being somewhere between 50 and 80 plants per square metre than being 30 to 50 plants per square metre. The hybrids are going to get away quickly. The clear field varieties of all seed rape have a tolerance to sulfonylureas in the soil, so they really get away quickly. Quickly. So speak to your agronomist and it may be worth just delaying the drilling of the oilseed rake for maybe a couple of weeks to get past that period when the flea beetle are at their most active. It's a very difficult conversation to have but you have to look at other methods other than uh, chemical methods to control these pests. Cultural becomes the key. And I know from experience last year, some oilseed rape drilled on the 24th of September after spring wheat. We didn't spray it once for cabbage stem flea beetle. There has to be a lesson in there somewhere. So on that bombshell, I'll leave it with you. I wish you all a very, very good harvest. I'll see you in a couple of weeks and uh, hopefully harvest will be a bumper one. Uh, let's hope so. Thank you. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. It's your last chance this weekend to have your say on the Future Farms poll being carried out by Wilkin Chapman's solicitors. 
There have been a, a number of country shows this year, including serials, most recently the Driffield Show, asking visitors what the future priorities should be for farming. Well, the poll is also online and closes this coming week. Catherine Harris is Head of Agriculture at Wilkin Chapman. We've been asking farmers what their key priorities are for the next five years. And the options we've given are agri-policy, farm diversification, succession and environmental factors. And in these uncertain times with Brexit, what we've been trying to find out is what farmers are really concerned about. And, and you've obviously you've carried this out a number of shows now, Driffield being the third, you've also done serials and, and the Lincolnshire show as well. So you've got a few uh, sort of indication of how it's going. Yeah, so um, leading ahead is perhaps unsurprisingly agri-policy. And to date, just over 40% of those polled have said that agri-policy is, is a key concern. And, um, you know, we were at the Lincolnshire show a few weeks ago um, and uh, there George Eustace was speaking and also it was the Queen's speech announced there and in the Queen's speech um, the announcement was made of an agricultural bill um, and um, you know, people are really keen to find out the detail of that because it's an opportunity for um, us to have some stability which I think we're really missing at the moment so it'd be good to see what's in the agricultural bill and um, you know, perhaps that, that, that may help. And as you say, it is that, it's that certainty that people want, isn't it? And as you say there with the, the agri-policy, you know, mm. subsidy, no subsidy, whatever happens mm. when we're out of Europe, we, there, there needs to be that certainty for farmers, isn't it? Yeah, you know, subsidy means the difference between farmers just keeping their head above water or below water. So, for many, so really important. And um, so we know, obviously, the common agricultural policy, as we know it, is going to go um, but the Conservatives have given us some commitment that we will see some form of subsidy for farmers um, we don't know what it will look and feel like um, but um, the government I think are supportive of farming and um, but the key message now is actually um, people have got to speak up people have got to engage with their MPs and um, tell them what, what is important why is farming important And what are you hoping to achieve with the uh, the Future Farms poll then? What happens next once it closes? I think it will give us an indication of the, um, the marketplace at the moment, you know, succession is always an issue, actually. Um, but I think agri-policy will likely come out strong on, on at the moment because of the, the current uh, current climate. It's in, it's in people's minds, isn't it? It's at the forefront yeah. at the moment. It is very much in, in, in the, foref- the forefront. And people want to know... Um, whether, um, you know, what the level of support will be, how long it will be. I think um, most people believe that the, um, the, the new UK system will be a, a smaller policy. It might um, be more environmentally focused. So all these issues that we see here actually feed into agri-policy. I mean, succession, it's, it's so key, for the con- obviously, for the continuation of the, the farming and the future, but, you know, how do you achieve succession? Well, you might think about farm diversification, um, you'll be thinking about agri-policy, how all these different factors build into the plan as to what the future holds for one particular farming family. It, uh, while those negotiations are going on over Brexit, now's the time to be lobbying the MPs to make sure that the best deal 
of for farming is there? You know, I, I couldn't agree more. It, you know, farmers aren't traditionally good at making their voice known. You know, they really have got to engage with their MP um, and also, you know, get involved with the NFU, who are the voice of farming. Um, you know, they're very keen to see the agricultural bill um, be enacted in a way that provides us with some stability um, in, in the farming industry. So yeah. one way they can speak up is by taking part in this uh, the Future yeah. Farms poll and say it's on until the end of the month. That's right. So if you go onto our website, www.wilkinchapman.co.uk, and you'll follow the link through to the Farmers Poll, and we'd be delighted if you took part and um, was part of our survey and our way of um, showing everybody why agriculture is so important. Catherine Harris of Wilkin Chapman discussing that Future Farm poll, which ends online this week. On to our weekly update from Open Field then. It's Tom Miller this week. Good morning, Sean. Morning. What's the latest, Tom? Um, well, not much combining has been done since this time last week with a catchy weather pattern frustrating many, so hopefully a better forecast will bring combines to roll again. Um, prices have eroded as US weather forecasts turn benign, causing fund managers to liquidate long positions, which are unlikely to be profitable. Uh, the reality is that recent weather in the US and Canadian spring wheat areas are unlikely to benefit crops greatly, which was further evidenced by the weekly crop condition report and feedback from the US spring wheat annual crop tour. Uh, US Midwest maize areas received some much-needed precipitation, although it's by no means widespread and more is needed. Uh, the forecast appears to be turning drier again next week, although with less heat, which would be unwelcome in the key pollination period. However, analysts are already forecasting subtrend yields, which will lower production prospects, although this will make little difference to prices given the barn-busting South American maize crop. Uh, it should be noted, however, that the EU is on the cusp of triggering the maize lev- import levy. Um, The quality end of the global wheat market continues to tighten with weather in Germany, Poland, the Baltics and Balkan states all at risk while Russia 12.5 protein wheat has risen to circa $200 a tonne. This when added to the Canadian, US and Australian woes should keep the high protein market steady. Uh, Unsurprisingly therefore we've seen a raft of import tenders recently including Egypt and Algeria and even the US export paces picked up over the last two weeks following the recent decline in their prices. Uh, the UK has not been immune to the wet weather over northern Europe, which is casting a shadow over potential quality. Uh, and whilst it's probably still too early to panic, the situation needs careful monitoring as quality will determine the dynamics of the UK market. Whilst there is little empirical evidence to go on so far, it appears that yield expectations are likely to be average, which, if correct, will mean the UK S&D will be finally balanced again this season. Uh, so looking at prices, feed wheat for harvest is worth 136 to 139 x at November 140 to 143. Group one milling premiums circa 12 to 15 pounds. Feed barley is 115 to 118 x for harvest and 120 to 123 for November. Malting barley out of the harvest position, better quality springs are 30 pounds over feed and winters 15. Rapeseed markets have been well supported by harvest delays across Europe and dry weather in the US. Uh, domestic harvest has continued at a slow pace between the showers, but gradually the crop is getting cut. Yields so far have been encouraging. Growers wanting immediate movement may have to take a discount as the August markets diverge into as available and buyers call timeframes, although the longer the rain continues, this discount is likely to decrease. Ex-farm prices for harvest, 303 to 308 uh, November 315 to 320. 
Not much to report on the bean market as we await harvest, uh, with both growers and compounders largely absent from the market. Demand for quality springs for domestic and export is almost non-existent. Uh, feed beans are worth 158 to 160 for harvest, plus a pound a month carry. Uh, quality springs are nominal £15 premium. Tom Miller, Open Field. Well, the jet stream couldn't be in a worse place for harvest, could it? Certainly over the last week or two, straight above the UK, meaning unsettled. It is on the move, though, so uh, what is this week in store for us? The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Well, that jet stream is falling below the UK uh, this coming week. Uh, That does mean more unsettled weather, I'm afraid. There's been some particularly heavy rain overnight. Further rain to come today. Possibility of some sunshine, though, with highs of 19 Celsius. The wind from the west-southwest, 20 to 25 miles an hour. Misty first thing this evening, cloudy as well, mostly dry, 12 the low tonight. The wind from the south-southwest, 15, maybe 25 miles an hour in places. And then it's a sunny start to Monday, maybe a shower in the middle of the day, highs of 19 degrees, and the wind from the southwest again, 20 to 25 miles an hour. Clear skies and dry overnight Monday into Tuesday, lows of 11 Celsius. The wind from the south-southwest, 10, gusting at 20 miles an hour. And then a sunny start to Tuesday with, again, the possibility of a little shower or two in the middle of the day. 20 the high, the wind from the southwest, 15 to 20 miles an hour. It should be dry but overcast Tuesday into Wednesday. Temperatures of 12 Celsius, the wind more from the south, 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then staying dry through Wednesday, a little warmer, 21 the high, the wind continuing from the south, 20 gusting at 30 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, again, rather mixed bag really, the possibility of uh, some rain but also some sunny spells. A little bit cooler, temperatures around 20 Celsius, could be a little bit lower by the end of the week. The wind particularly strong from the southwest as well as we get towards the latter end of the week. And that's the forecast. That's it then for another week on the farming programme. It's day two of the 150th Heckington Show today, England's largest village show. Great to see it thriving. Such a good event as well. 150 years on since that first show. If you go in there, have a good day, or if maybe you're going to a different event, or indeed perhaps you're working hard on the harvest. Whatever it is you're up to today, and indeed for the rest of this week, we'll be back with the programme same time next week. Until then, as I always say, have a good week's farming.